I guess the tried and true experiment of seeing how important music is to digital media is playing something without music, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially something that, that you know so well and then playing it without music and noticing how empty it can feel. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. Hey, y'all. I finally get to explore one of my favorite aspects of movies and TV shows. That's right, music scoring. Oh, I'm like super excited. I'm bringing on score composer and producer Dara Taylor. Dara has contributed to major films like Bad Moms, A Bad Mom's Christmas, the action comedy sequel Shaft, Pitch Perfect 3, and the list just goes on and on and on. As for TV shows, her musical voice stretches all the way from Amazon series The Boys to CW Supernatural. Today, we hear how Dara's story leads the way for future Black female composers and how she continuously integrates her fresh scoring style with current and upcoming projects. Ladies and gents, welcome Dara to the show. In this episode, we are doing a special giveaway for an upcoming movie, I Am Woman. This film is a true story of music legend and feminist icon Helen Reddy, whose voice inspired a generation of fearless women. I Am Woman spotlights her experience as a single mother who takes a leap of faith and becomes an international singing superstar. The film stars Tilda Cobham Harvey as music legend Helen Reddy, Danielle McDonald as legendary rock journalist Lillian Roxon, and Evan Peters as Helen's talent manager Jeff Walt. I Am Woman is now available to stream on Redbox On Demand. I have five copies of this wonderful movie to give away in exchange for a lovely podcast review. Go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave a review for my podcast. Send me a screenshot at heyaj at shesorail.com and that will put you in for one entry. Winners will be announced on Monday, September 21st. And don't forget, ladies, what Helen has taught us. We are strong, invincible, and we are women. Don't miss your chance to see this movie, y'all. Hey, Dara, how are you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for being on the show. This is wonderful because you are the first composer to be on the show. So, oh, wow. I feel yes. honored. <laughs> You're the inaugural. There we go. <laughs> so I would like to start off on how you got into musical composition. Well, I mean, growing up, I was always in choirs and in the musicals and in band and all of that. So I was always surrounded by music. My mom was the director of our church choir, and she was always playing things on the keyboard and everything. So I used to fall asleep in her keyboard bag, and I would sit myself up next to the speaker. <laughs> I don't know how I, I don't know how I have any hearing luck now, but so always surrounded by music. But I never thought that I'd study it. I'm like, well, who gets a who 
makes a career in music. Right. I initially applied to college as a computer science major, and that oh. lasted all of like four days. And then <laughs> we've been um, there. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, I just started studying contemporary classical composition, and also classical voice. You know, I sang a lot of art songs and arias and kind of operatic stuff. So that's what I studied. And then I went on to do the NYU film scoring master's program after undergrad. Ooh, look at you. uh, Look at you. uh (laughs) Look at all my debt. I know. Um, But but yeah, and I became increasingly drawn to, to film music all throughout college. And yeah, I studied it. Tried it in New York for a while. Wasn't making a lot of strides. As they say, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. But if you can't, you pack up, you move across the country and try again in L.A. (laughs) That's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. So been in L.A. for about seven years now. And we can talk about the rest or... No, that's perfect. (laughs) Why do you think LA worked out so much better than New York? Do you think it's just the overall culture, like business culture over there in comparison or? I mean, first of all, this is different for every facet of the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. while filmmakers might be everywhere, while actors can be everywhere, most of kind of the post-production still happens in LA, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't quote unquote happen here. This is where the music supervisors are. This is where the music execs are. This is where all of the decision makers, I guess, live. And this is where you meet them and get to form relationships. And also, as far as starting out goes, you know, you're going to find more opportunities for internships and assistantships and short films, which, I mean, short films happen in every corner of the planet. But I moved out here on a hope and a dream, and so did a whole bunch of other people. So it was just finding all those people. Yeah, there's just... For me, it just seemed like a better place to start because there were more opportunities to try and just pounce on. Well, and talks about dreams. Did you ever want to be like an opera singer since you have a little bit of experience in that realm? I didn't. And that's the thing. You know, I studied voice voice because that's what I had done the most, you know, in high school and all of that. I sang more than anything. But... There was just something, I didn't really care too much to be on stage. I kind of liked the behind the scenes stuff a little more. So as I grew much more uh, drawn towards composition, I realized, okay, so it's still music, but just not on stage. It's, o- it's over here, <laughs> back here, question in a room alone. <laughs> this is where I belong. <laughs> so you find your footing in a completely different facet of the music side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of film scoring and composing for TV, how was your first time doing it? It's weird. It's like, you have a lot of first, so I'm trying to <laughs> decide what I'm to talk about. I know the first time I was paid to write a piece of music to picture mm-hmm. was for a small production company called Together Magic, which is now based both out of L.A. and New Orleans. Armand Petri and Art uh, were the producers and director of a couple of short films, and I just kind of reached out to them 
like on IMDb Pro, I was like, hey, I noticed you've got this thing in production. You need some music? <laughs> and they answered and they said yes. And I'm like, oh my God, it worked. Oh, awesome. Um, so, um, so I met with them and I actually ended up doing a lot of things with them and their projects and working with them will always hold a, a dear place in my heart because, you know, they're kind of where I started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, I started interning. Actually, when I first moved to LA, I started volunteering for the Society of Composers and Lyricists. It's just a group of composers. And there are screenings and seminars. I almost called them webinars. I'm like, what's what's a webinar in person? (laughs) (laughs) A conference? I don't know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I was just like checking people in at the door and all that stuff. And I got to know a lot of people. And a friend of a friend of a friend invited us to go. The good old network. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Invited us to watch a scoring session. This is the first scoring session I had been to and and seen. It was really exciting. And it was for the uh, show Revolution. Ooh, okay. That was on, I think, CW for a couple of years. And the composer for that show is Christopher Lennox. And... I was there and I heard my name and I was very confused because I'm like, no one knows me here. Because um, I had only moved to LA maybe about five months, four or five months before this. And I turned around and it was an colleague from, or an old classmate from my grad school who I didn't know he was out here. We weren't like besties in grad school, but we knew mm-hmm. each other's names and faces. Yeah, so after that, we talked a little more and I started interning at Chris's studio and then I was studio manager for a little bit. And then I was, I started assisting part-time and it all just kind of grew from there. And that's where I got my first kind of hands-on studio experience rather than independent. So my first big credit on the big screen Yay. was scoring assistant for Ride Along 2. Mm, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I watched that movie, uh, I think a couple of times in theaters. It was just fun to... It's just fun to see. <laughs> now you wait till the end after all the accountants, because that's where they put post-production. Right. Yeah. And there it was just, you know, a lot of assisting in uh, session prep and just kind of getting the ins and outs of how productions are run on that level. And then, yeah, from there it was kind of a, an amalgamation of experiences, me doing bigger and bigger indie things and then doing a couple of more studio things myself and also still working with Chris and doing additional music. And we actually just co-scored a Lionsgate movie together in quarantine. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, yeah. That was, there were a lot of moving parts there. But yeah, so there's a lot of firsts, but each one is important. Awesome. You know, I would have to say because your experience is like in so many different areas, in terms of composing, which one is your favorite more so, TV or film? You know, they both have things that I like about them. Film, obviously you have typically more time to really kind of sit and develop ideas and Mm -hmm. come up with something that feels really close to your heart and really comes out of you. And you do that with TV as well. But, you know, TV is on a, you know, a faster deadline more often than not. But I also kind of love deadlines. <laughs> Makes you work, work better. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I like to feel busy. So there's something that's really exciting about TV for me with that. And also 
MTV is kind of the ultimate theme and variations exercise. You come up with a few motifs and then you find new and interesting ways and ways to keep it fresh from season to season, episode to episode. So it depends. I don't think I have a favorite. I just get into different mental zones for each Mm -hmm. one. Movies are more like a marathon and TV is more like a decathlon. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that about everybody. A lot of time is just how many events are in that allotted amount of time. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because I could definitely see for like TV, it could be a little, I don't know. I feel like it's more intense because if you have like a series going, you have to have the same musical composition throughout. But then again, film is that way. Uh, I guess you can play around with it. You would know better at this topic than I would. (laughs) Oh boy. So, you know, folks don't realize how integral a composer is to these projects, to these entertainment projects. And, you know, along with the sound effects, the musical or music aspect can make or break a movie, to be quite honest, especially if it's, if a movie is so pivotal or important, it it really can. You know, what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? I guess the kind of tried and true experiment of seeing how important music is to digital media is playing something without music, Mm -hmm, (laughs) especially mm -hmm. something that, that you know so well, and then playing it without music and noticing how empty it can feel. You know, the visuals and the dialogue and all of that, that's always driving the story. But music is there to kind of hold your hand through it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't really lead, but it should follow with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times if you're scoring a scene and a big event happens, you know, you don't want to put the big musical flourish on the event. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're putting a hat on a hat there. You want to wait to comment or react as the audience reacts. And not before, because especially in comedy, that's an easy way to kill a joke. As far as making or breaking, I mean, there's lots of ways to skin a cat. And I can't really think of a situation where a score had distracted me so much from the film that I Mm -hmm. didn't enjoy it. But I mean, there, you know, you can definitely step on comedy, which detracts from the purpose or be too leading in a thriller and, mm-hmm. and give things away. So, And usually these are things that hopefully you, you work through before it gets to the final dubbing stage. <laughs> and you work through <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, it's there. To me, music is your companion in experiencing what's on the screen. Definitely. You and it are experiencing this together. <laughs> Can you describe to us how your process is when you are writing and scoring a project when you get into the, I guess, the zone, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, once I get the picture, I'll usually have a spotting session with Mm -hmm. the director or producers, whoever else is is involved, and kind of go through the film and decide what kind of music goes where and what is it saying and should we wait until he looks at her to bring it in or should we come in as she looks at him and like all these little things make a difference in how you experience the movie or the show and from there it's just watching it again and again and again and Mm -hmm. again and again (laughs) (laughs) first ones with um with any temp music that's in there just to kind of get an idea and then turning it off so you can really come up with your own ideas and themes and not really be led by the temporary music that was in there just again to 
something that holds your hand, but something that doesn't really speak to all the nuances and emotions that are in this actual film. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I stare at a blank screen a lot. <laughs> like anyone else, like a, any writer or anything like that, <laughs> I stare at a blank screen a lot. A lot of noodling on the piano or my MIDI keyboard, really. I mean, it depends on the kind of score it is. Sometimes I'll noodle on the guitar or I'll noodle in a microphone if it might be something a little more vocal or it's finding the thematic material, if any, and then really kind of rounding out the sound. And then hopefully if you have time, you can get those general vibes through to the director and kind of get approvals on that. Yeah. And then from there, start tailoring all the picture. How do you keep yourself fresh? And I don't want to, I guess, I don't even know if update is the right term to even ask, but fresh in a sense of keeping yourself inspired to try new things when you're writing and scoring. Yeah. I mean, thankfully a lot of that comes from the picture itself, you know, mm -hmm. if it's something different than what, than the last four things you worked on or the filmmakers take a very different or interesting approach. And then just listening to stuff around you, listening to the latest scores, sure. But I mean, I think you kind of run the risk of copycatting whatever the new sound is. It's mostly yeah. just to know, is to know what someone's talking about if they reference that. There was a big Johan Johansson phase for a while where everyone wanted everything to sound like uh, Sicario. Um, <laughs> and, now, <laughs> and now Hilder and Joker are the new It Girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, it's, it's a lot of listening to other kinds of music, at least for me. Being aware of film stuff that's going on, but listening to pop music or to jazz or mm -hmm. anything else that's kind of, what are the new fresh sounds in other genres and in what ways can we borrow a little from this, a little from that to kind of make it something new and fresh in and of itself. I like how you brought up the Joker because that was going to be one of my <laughs> things I talk about is back last year, I think it was, or this year, I can't remember, but it was such a monumentous moment for the fact that it's the first female composer to ever win an Oscar for that. Sort of. Yes, yes, sort Since of. the sort of. categories were combined. True, very true, very true. But yes, they're very, very few. Yeah, yeah. And the oddball cinematic who watches stuff like that and yeah. knowing, of course, the social movements that are happening, it's just, why has it taken it so long? And two, I feel like the exposure for women in film and TV composing is just like not as available as I see for males. And now again, I could be completely wrong and I'm just not in the right circles or I'm not looking at the credits all the way through or whatever, but I feel like I don't see that very apparently. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's true. Most people doing eye-grossing work are men. I think it's changing. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think things have changed a lot more in the last five years than they have in the last 50. Yeah. And hopefully we'll continue on that trajectory until the day that we don't have to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> That's the day I'm actually really, really looking forward to. But yeah, I mean... You know, people say, oh, it's a pipeline issue, which mm -hmm. in the case of film music, maybe it is. But there are a lot of systemic things that a lot of other 
social issues that are the cause of that pipeline issue from back from the 50s and 60s where women were supposed to stay Mm -hmm. home until Mm -hmm. not feeling comfortable taking an or not being able to take an unpaid internship. And I mean, a lot of the pipeline issues are about where the opportunities are, how accessible, how realistic it is for people to take them. I got myself in a lot of debt chasing this thing. And that's not a Accable to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, (laughs) that's not an option for a lot of people too. Are you able to, stay after school and be in the musical or do you have to work to help provide food for your family i mean there's mm-hmm. there's so many issues and possible reasons but some of it is also just how people feel and if they feel represented or if they're going to feel odd being the outsider i personally have never really felt strange being mm-hmm. the only woman in the room, being the only black woman in the room, being the only black person in the room. Like it yeah. happens all the time. I tend not to notice it until someone brings it up uh, <laughs> or until I, or until it's necessary. But there are a lot of people who feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think the more people around them that can make them feel comfortable, whether that's another man or, or a woman or whomever, to make them feel comfortable in their own skin because this is a very personal thing that you do and you really put yourself out there and it always feels like a bit of your soul <laughs> goes with you as soon as everything is recorded. You're like, ah, crap, I could have I could have made that a little better. I could have done that a little differently. And <laughs> I do this when I make reels all the time. I'm like, ah well, this is the closest thing I have to what they need, but man, I wish I would have gotten another take of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm like, darn. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's a very personal and vulnerable experience. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. feeling supported is the difference between following through with it and not following through with it. I was talking to someone recently about women in animation. And nowadays... 60% of people studying animation are women. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the actual animators, they're still mostly men because people have been told that they felt really uncomfortable in school and don't want to continue on doing this. You know, there's a lot of attrition that happens even past the schooling stage. So yeah, I wish I had a no answer or a, uh, <laughs> I, a I think it's a, but I think feeling supported is half the battle. Definitely. And I think as long as we continue to have these conversations, that's where we're going to see the progression at. You know, as yeah. long as people are open to it and they're willing to, to nudge a little for change, I think that's yeah. where we'll see some progress. It's definitely going to be slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be immediate at any point yeah. in time, you know? Yeah. So No, but I like what you said, actually. That's a really good way to phrase it. Nudge a little. It's like no one's asking you to upend everything that you know and you've done. Just what's one small thing that you can do to help? And when (laughs) everyone can... It's like a crowdfunding campaign, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If everyone Mm -hmm. gives $3, eventually... (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, man. And... You know, I have to piggyback too, because I know you were talking about yourself, even as a black female composer, you know, that's another thing in itself. And I have to, I disappointingly have to say this, like a lot of my favorite film composers 
are white males. Like I absolutely love John Williams and Hans Zimmer. And I mean, <laughs> I, and I mean, I listen to it on the regular and I just, for me, I would love to see one day for a woman to stand out and be like, yeah, she is the shit. And <laughs> I listen to her while I'm talking. And, you know, I know it's slowly changing, but I know for me as a cinematic and someone who does listen to musical composition, especially for film and TV, that's something I would like to see as a patron and just a bystander. So, yeah. And even if you had the gamut of people, there's still, there's nothing wrong with having your famous, your favorite Oh, yeah, like yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, totally fine. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just the lack of awareness, I think, is the issue that you're pointing to. And the lack of awareness comes from the lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those scores because the movies did well. Right. And Very true. There's a lot of really great scores that people have never heard because the movie because the movie doesn't do well. That's very true. That is so true. <laughs> so it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot about who's being hired for what projects and for what level projects, and a lot of that is based off of like a lot of things, experience, but mostly credits. You know, have they done a big thing before? Well, then we'll hire them to do this big thing because we don't have a lot of time and money mm-hmm. to bet. on someone unproven Mm -hmm. and again still a pipeline issue but yeah I I know that like the USC Annenberg reports always show women composers at 2% and they have for the last like five years but Mm -hmm. that aside I do think it's getting better every year the numbers in the highest grossing things may not have shown it yet Mm -hmm. but we'll catch up I think we're moving in the right direction and I think television actually is taking faster strides than movies are. Definitely. Yeah. yeah Especially on the streaming service side. So Yeah, streaming service. I mean, even some network shows. I love Ronit Kirchman's score for The Sinner. Nice. And that's just a great show, too. And, like, there's... We're out there. We're just... Uh, <laughs> 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 it's just, just going to take some time for us to bubble up. Someone asked me how am I getting my groceries so quickly and so easily, and I'm still here at home. It's called Instacart. Download the app and visit instacart.com and find your favorite retailers. Search and add items to your cart. When you are ready to check out, select a delivery time that works for you. Then a personal shopper will gather your items in the store, choosing produce with care, just as you would. And now with contactless delivery, your groceries will be safely left at your doorstep. In just a few taps, you can get everything you need delivered to your doorstep. That's right, Instacart is here for you. Be sure to check my show notes to start your Instacart account today. How do you advocate for women to get more into film and TV composition? Is it more like a kind of like a general deal? If you like see someone who might be good at it, you're like, hey, maybe you should dig a little further into this or. (laughs) I mean, really, it's just talking to people who might have reached out to me or I mean, I have lots of relationships that I've kind of gathered throughout the year. But if there's a hole that needs to be filled or like someone that I, I don't know someone who does that or who plays that or whatever mm-hmm. 
just kind of taking that extra little nudge and trying to find someone in an underrepresented. I love how we're using nudge. Like I know, I love it. I'm going to use that. Yeah, I'm let's do it. it. <laughs> Something that costs me nothing, costs me no relationships, mm-hmm. but can make a big difference to someone else. I mean, I'm part of the Industry Relations Committee for the Composers Diversity Collective, mm-hmm. which was started about a year and a half ago. And it's just a collection of diverse film composers, mostly, you know, ethnic and racial minorities. And then I'm also a member of the Alliance of Women Film Composers, which again is for people out there who say, well, I don't know any women film composers. That's why I don't hire them. Mm -hmm. Organizations like this plump them all together. It's like, here you go. Here's a list. (laughs) Here's a cake. (laughs) Now you can't say that you don't know or you didn't know. We're making it very easy for you to find us. Nice. Yeah, so just things like that. I recently joined my uh, advisory council on my alma mater on the Cornell University Chorus. Um, nice. To be kind of their mentor committee. I mean, just because out of all those women, because the chorus is an all-female or all-treble-voiced mm-hmm, organization, mm-hmm. very few of them, you know, they come from all different kinds of majors and very few of them were music majors and very few of the alumni or alumni, alum, um, (laughs) (laughs) they just changed it. I don't, I don't remember, but actually end up in music as well. So anything that I can do to talk to any of them and say, Hey, it's possible. It was not easy, but like, keep going. Once the pandemic is over, come on over. We'll get some coffee. It will be great. (laughs) So, um, yeah, just any small ways to just kind of be around and be visible. Because I think that that helps. And I'm like a, I'm a relatively private person. I don't like to be like the post child for anything, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm noticing more and more that just being around and being visible is helpful. So very much so because honestly, like when I saw you on IG, I kind of freaked and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's a real guy. Like I kind of freaked. I was like, Julie, get it together, get it together. <laughs> so yes, it, it really does help. It does help yeah. tremendously. I saw that, speaking of your IG, that you were celebrated by Decompose for the Sounds of Black Composers, Black Film and TV Scores, Volume 2. And on the roster, in terms of the image, it had you right next to Quincy Jones. I know. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. (laughs) I had to ask about this. I mean, that was... That was an unexpected thing to see for one day. Uh, <laughs> you know, can I go way back? No. <laughs> no, it was really great. And I really appreciate being included on that list of extraordinarily talented composers. Half of, I think half the people on that thing are now in contention for our Emmys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chris Bowers, Amanda Jones, and Labyrinth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, great company to be in. (laughs) You're definitely up there with the heavy hitters because you're a heavy hitter yourself. So (laughs) when I saw it, I was like, is that? Oh, wait, that's Quincy. Holy (laughs) fuck. It's just just Quincy Jones. Right? (laughs) Oh, man. Now, I, I know you said previously that you just got done with a Lionsgate film in quarantine. 
Can you mm -hmm. elaborate on how that went down? Because I know a lot of folks are starting to say now, especially with movies and cast and crew about how they're slowly going back in one thing at a time, or there's a date for cast and crew to go back in to do movies or TV shows. Yeah. I was one of the very few fortunate ones that had things that had already started post-production on the it. lockdown. So I had an unexpectedly busy quarantine, <laughs> but I assume that that will follow by a relatively free fall. Um, <laughs> as, as I sit and wait for all those things that are starting to creep back into production to actually get to post, because that's, that's a many, many month process or year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It, you know, you learn a lot of new technologies. Zoom, give us this day, our daily Zoom, as I would say. <laughs> Zooming all day long, every day, and using, we found this program called Frankie, which allows you to upload quick times and then send uh -huh. people links, and then they just watch you play it, and everyone watches in sync together in their oh, browser. And wow. that's how we reviewed all the music wow. with the director and producers and writers, and like there are all these people. I needed to watch and give notes, and we all did it from our homes. <laughs> we wow. sent everyone headphones so they can listen on at least a better quality thing than AirPods mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. their iPhone speakers, because <laughs> um, all of that matters. And yeah, we recorded in Eastern Europe, because that's what was open mm -hmm. at the time and even then they you know it was on in a country that wasn't hit as hard but even then you know they have their own social distancing protocol right. so you can only do x amount of players at a time so what would have normally taken three days took six because you had to split everyone up sending things for people to record in their living rooms and send back to you i mean it's no fun for the mixers yeah i wouldn't recommend it but we pulled it <laughs> <laughs> She's like, ah. <laughs> if given the choice to do an entire production in lockdown or not in global lockdown, I, I choose not. No, but at least this all happened in a time where technology is as good as it is. And I'm sure in 20 years, I'll look back at this and be like, ah, I thought technology was good then. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like superb like something right now. Automatically feel dated saying as you say it. Definitely. You know, the monograph is great. But yeah, but I mean, we were able to put it all together and still deliver quality work to the dub stage. And um, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it wow. just took, you know, everything just takes much longer than it would if people were in person and then more people were in person. But I will never not be amazed by humans' ability to adapt. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, what an intriguing experience yeah. you had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that Frankie technology, that sounds pretty cool to work with. Like, it yeah. sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it worked, it worked really well. Well, now that you've had your own experience working in quarantine, what would be your advice for any other composers that are about to go into it or actually looking for new opportunities to work in quarantine? Let's see. As far as like people who are looking to record and, and deliver and stuff in quarantine or people who are just looking to start the whole post process or people who are looking to get into composing? More in so the, they're already composers and post 
production and those things? Yeah, I mean, Frankie was a godsend. You can get a 30-day free trial. Um, <laughs> so uh, plan that accordingly. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways and there are lots of great musicians out there. And that's one thing that does make me sad about this whole thing is that how many wonderful musicians and engineers and people who are out of work right now because, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because everything has stopped. You know, anyone who can't work alone especially like choirs and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, just trying to find great people to make your music come to life. They are out there and they are willing. And it's always great to be able to hire anyone you can right now. But yeah, technology is your friend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, the yeah. top tier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What film or TV franchise would you love to work on in the future? Oh boy. You know, maybe it's less so something that already exists because I think as soon as you think of a franchise that exists, you automatically think of the music that goes along with it, which is, mm -hmm. a, which is great. But I think some sort of non-existent <laughs> franchise <laughs> show out there. I don't know. I love comedies. I love like buddy heist movies. Ah, you know, it's like right along. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like anything. Well, I guess you can't say that anymore because of Ozark. But I, what I used to say is anything that you'd expect Jason Bateman to be in. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Friends getting into trouble, getting out of trouble, and learning more about themselves along the way. <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. You know, and I have to say, Jason Bateman, he's like, he'll turn around and do a comedy, and the next thing you know, he's in Ozark, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Okay, what composer would you love to collaborate with? in the future? I'd probably like to collaborate with like some recording artists and people who really fun. bring something very different to the table, especially like someone in like the funk or jazz world or it's hard because it's, I feel like I'd have to think of the project first and then mm -hmm. decide from mm -hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> that. But yeah, you know, producers, hip hop producers, those kind of people I think would be really fun to, to work with someone who brings an extra layer, an extra skill set, and kind of take things up to the next level. Well, now that the versus TV is like on the height, you know, I'm sure you could see a couple of producers and things yeah. <laughs> happening with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to reach your status as a film and TV composer? Let's say they're just starting off, they're curious if they want to go to school about it. They don't know how to network. What would be your advice in terms of where to start off? First of all, write, write often. Have a catalog of stuff, of different stuff. Try a bunch of different things. Because a lot of things that I really enjoy writing now, I never would have guessed before because I hadn't done it. And then you do it. You're like, oh my God, I love this. So <laughs> first, write and find what's lack of a better phrase, sparks joy. And <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Marie Kondo that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then find people, to me, I mean, mentorship made a huge difference in my world. 
I think I'd be in a very different situation if I never met Chris Lennox. And by I think, I mean, I know. <laughs> Finding, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying assistantship or not. I mean, it's, if you can give a job like that, that's great. And you learn a lot and you get a lot of experience and a lot of FaceTime, a lot of, I mean, just kind of invaluable stuff. But I think coming at people with the expectation of making money off of them is not always the best approach either. So I think Definitely. finding jobs is great, but also just finding someone to mentor you and to champion you is helpful. So oh, I like that you said champion right? somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it makes the big difference because they're your, they're your second line of defense. I actually just had a conversation with Chris about an hour ago and he used that term. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great term. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just stealing all these terms Yeah, today. you definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, find, and I, as you write, you learn what kind of music you'd like and then you can find someone in that, that's known or that you really admire their type of music in that realm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be like the top person on Spotify. It's just someone in that realm or getting to know people around them you know sometimes people think especially people who are looking for assistantships and things yeah i think the best, the best way to do it is go straight to the composer but a lot of times it's like yeah but who do they always work with in trust who is their music editor who is their orchestrator who is their copyist who are these people that they form their empire around mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. will be a trusted that's what i'm looking for Oh, boy. Uh, referral. <laughs> uh, we all have our brave farts, trust Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a trusted referral. So, yeah, do a lot. I mean, if you want to do the whole graduate school program thing, great. More power to you, but it's definitely not the only way to do it. So definitely. I think you can, yeah, I think a lot of people learn a lot on the job. I mean, learning stuff about music theory and all that stuff. Yes, you should come in knowing that. Mm -hmm. But as far as a film specific thing, other than getting some great recordings that you may not otherwise have gotten and learn some skills and make some connections, there's a lot of stuff you can do outside of that structure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, where do you see yourself in the future after your free fall passes? <laughs> what are you going to be up to? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Where do you see me in the future? <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. In the um, studio, doing your thing. That's where I see you. <laughs> I'm just doing a lot of demoing, a lot of reels submitting, and I'm seeing what shakes out. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I am currently working on a couple of documentary things. Um, okay. Or starting back up. So looking forward to that. But yeah. That's going to be that. exciting. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll, well, let us, for the best. Yeah. Well, let us know because uh, we'll promote on this side for you. So we got you back. <laughs> well, Dara, before we close out, I'm going to do our Keep It Real segment. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So what is your favorite movie? I mean, if this were a question on like a game show that uh -huh. someone else had to guess, I would say Wizard of Oz. Oh, uh, okay. My favorite movie growing up. I have Somewhere Over the Rainbow tattooed on my leg. So let's go with Wizard of Oz. All right. All right. Somewhere over the rainbow. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. What's your favorite TV show? Oh, boy. Right now... 
I mean, I love TV and I love a lot of, I mean. I know there's so many. I mean, honestly, I love Survivor. Oh, um, man, you threw me a ringer I'm, for that one. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big Survivor fan. If anyone knows how, I mean, everything has changed now, but if anyone knows how to get two tickets to the season finales, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> the hottest ticket in town. But other than that, I mean, uh, so many things. I don't know why I'm blanking right now, but, and even though I'm working on it, I won't be shy to say the boys. I love the boys. It's ah, yeah. It's so twisted. Season two comes out September 4th. That's right. Promo, uh, promo. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it's so good and witty and gross and just everything. And also, I really loved Kenya Barris' show on Netflix. Oh, Hashtag Black AF. Black AF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I laughed so loud, and it said so many things I've never been able to articulate. I'm like, yes, that's why. Right. I know that felt weird, but I couldn't say why it felt weird. So I just said <laughs> nothing. <laughs> this is why this feels weird. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. So, yeah. And who is your favorite artist right now? Are we talking about, uh, like, film composer like what film composers oh, do we were talking time? about like radio okay let's see i don't know i i'll always love a good john legend song okay but i also love like katie tunstall and alanis morissette just came out with the new album okay <laughs> i don't know i was like in college i was really into like badass chick rock yeah 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 so, like <laughs> apple and all of that that's kind of where if I just need to just sing out loud in my car, that's usually where I'll go. I love imaging heat. Yeah, so. <laughs> I can see you. I can see you in your car having a grand ass yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Dara, thank you so much. We had a great time. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Thanks so much for having me. Want to look fashionable with a statement? Daisy LA is where it's at. Art apparel with a mission to empower women through conversation and community. This is where female entrepreneurship and eclectic fashion go hand in hand. Try Daisy LA. Shop there today and you get a 10% discount coupon using AJ So Real in all caps at the register. Again, AJ So Real at all caps at the register. Go get Daisy LA, y'all. Thanks, Dara, for being so much on the show. I really enjoyed everything. Be sure to catch Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar when it comes out. TBA, of course. Also, be aware that her Fox series Pride is going to be coming, as well as the action crime drama Echo Boomers will be coming too. So stay tuned for those things and be sure to watch it. We are rooting for you, girl. Thanks. So I'm going to end this show with an announcement that I have. If you've been following me on Instagram or on my Facebook page, or you're actually in the group itself, you will already know this, but I am shutting down the realist community. And the main reason is because I have a lot going on and I just can't put 110% like I want to within the group and do the things that I want with the group. 
I currently have had some things happen underway. I'm fine. I'm okay. I promise I'm not going downhill. <laughs> I just need to take some time to put more focus in the other things on more of a personal and professional level. And two, if I'm going to give my all to something, I'm going to give my all to something when I can. Someone told me you need to build the house before you have the house party and I love the slogan altogether, and that is true in that matter. So again, I'm sorry if anyone wanted to continue in the group. However, however, there is always hope that this group will be reunited again. And yeah, so just keep that in mind and subscribe to the show. Stay on the newsletter hit me up on IG, whatever you want to do to still be with Jesus <laughs> real, do it. And I will answer. I will see you. Yes. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys for being in the community. If you are in the community, thank you if you are even considering and being in it. However, it is shutting down. So, but on a good note, on a good note, I will bring back that house party when it is time again. All right. So look forward to the invite. All right. See you guys later. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Keep it real.